Hi everyone, my name is Jillian Hahn. I'm with The Beauty Project. My intention with The Beauty Project is to connect with people about what beauty is to them and what it is that makes them beautiful. In this version of The Beauty Project, I am interviewing people specifically that work inside of the beauty industry. Today, I talk with Megan Piety. She is the salon owner and a hairstylist of Kinship Hair Company in Santa Cruz, California. I hope you enjoy and I look forward to connecting with you all soon. Thank you. Hi, Megan. Um, Hi. Welcome to the Beauty Project interview. Um, how about we start with a little bit of who you are and um, where you live and um, I guess, how are you doing? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Megan Piety. I live in Santa Cruz, California. Uh, I own a salon here in downtown. Um, I've been the owner now for three years or so, and um, I, but I've worked in the same salon in Santa Cruz for the last seven and a half years. So i um, really happy to be downtown. I love this area and I love this community. Um, it's opened up a lot of doors for me and yeah. And as, as far as how I'm doing, it's, it changes day to day. I think my motto has just been every day is new and just like take everything day by day. And uh, I also, you know, have been trying to stay on the positive side of things and you know, taking a bunch of lemons and making lemonade. So that's been my motto this <laughs> through this whole COVID shutdown quarantine situation. Absolutely. Yeah, I love the making lemonade. That's what this project is. Yeah. yeah. So that's where we're going with this. So thanks so much for joining us. And um, let's just start it off with how do you define beauty? You know, beauty to me has taken many forms. Um, I would say beauty to me in this in the in this industry is connection. It's human connection. It's authentic connection. Um, it took me a while to kind of come to that because I think when we all start out, we're just so focused on like what we're actually doing in our job. You know, like making beautiful hair. But for me, it's always been more about building a community within my hair community and within my clients and a family, you know. And so, yeah, beauty to me is connection. Mm, I love that. Yeah, the, the beauty industry itself offers so much connection in so many different ways. And so I love that perspective of just beauty itself being connection. Yeah. Yeah. What is the beauty industry to you? So the beauty industry to me, I feel kind of started to, as an art platform for me. Um, when I graduated high school, I really wanted to go to art school, but I kind of talked myself out of it. I was really into photography and um, I talked myself out of it because of the times that we were living in and um, moving to a city from a country town sounded really scary at 18 years old. And uh, I wasn't quite ready for that kind of move. So, um, 
So I ended up going to beauty school thinking, well, my mom did it. I have two aunts that have done it uh, or that still do it. And um, it's something that I'm really comfortable with. I grew up with, I grew up in it. So it's something I'm really comfortable with and it's still an art form technically to me. So um, I think the beauty industry for me is, is, is my art form. It's my ability to be artistic and see new people and meet new people and have new conversations with people and all walks of life. Um, yeah, instead of like the same old office job every day. That it is not. <laughs> yeah. True statement. Why do you choose to stay in it? I think, you know, I've been teetering a lot on this lately, actually, because being a salon owner now, um, it's hard to be double. Like, it's hard to be an owner and a operator at the same time. And um, so actually what a gift from, I've had a lot of gifts of COVID, but the gift, one of the biggest gifts I've gotten from COVID is boundary setting with my schedule coming back and kind of like coming back to three days a week and being able to be, just being okay with that, being able to have quality connections with people instead of um, coming back in like full force and, you know, let's go and let's just do some hair. You know, it's, it's more artistic and, you know, able to take time and be with people and connect and, and connect on their experience of what's happened in the last three months. That sounds like you're kind of going back to the basics of what it means to you and you've got like this huge perspective of what what it is and why your heart's in it yeah yeah I feel like when I first started out in the industry it felt very robotic because of where I was working I was you know working in a mall salon and so it tends to feel really robotic because you're not you're still getting used to being able to actually cut hair and, and color hair and like you're learning so much and I didn't really put myself in the situation of going to a more private salon and working under someone and I didn't really have that um, available to me where I was living at that time and I think since being in Santa Cruz it's really opened my eyes to the amount of creativity that is in this job in this career and um how you really make it what what it is like if you want to pump out haircuts all day you can but you also could take your time and be with people and connect and that's where I, I want to go like I want to get back to that you know quality over quantity that's great since we're on the topic of COVID and the shutdown how do you feel like things have changed I mean obviously there's precautions and and stuff like that but like what has changed? What have you noticed? What's different? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing I've noticed is just uncertainty. Like a lot of people um, are unsure if they're even ready to come back into the salon. They have a lot of questions. Um, when I wrote my email to the email to the client list, I had to be very thorough about what our plan was and how we're going to keep people safe and how we're going to keep ourselves safe. Um, so I think it's again, like it's going back to that day by day, 
making people feel at ease and safe uh, while they're here. Um, I've noticed that people just need a lot of compassion right now. They need a lot of, like they need space to be held for them um, because everyone has been through some pretty gnarly stuff in the last three months. And, um, and it, you know, and I think another like physical thing is, is just getting used to the mask and breathing and uh, having fresh air, like what we took for granted um yeah and and uh yeah so that's that's a big factor for me you know having headaches at the end of the day because you know I'm not getting as much as much oxygen as I'm used to um making sure I'm taking breaks like that's a huge part of our industry that I think wasn't there and now people are being forced you know to like take a break take a lunch break drink water um go outside walk around get out of the building so I think there's a lot of really healthy, amazing things that are coming out of this, but there's also um, a lot to get used to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just throw your dinner down your face in the right. back room in between processing anymore, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to have some designated time to sit down, take off your mask, eat your food, you know. Um, relax so yeah going back to the clients being in the salon and that the physical mask being on and mm -hmm. then that connection and then being them needing to be held like that space mm -hmm. it's also something I'm wondering about like that is so sacred I find about the industry that we work in is the fact that we get to touch people right and you know three months of not being able to hug your friends three months of you know being quarantined away from your family mm -hmm. you know however we all did it like I'm curious about that like that we're touching people's heads now and right like, like how special is that yeah I feel already touch was such a big thing and now you're looking at so okay so let me back up a little bit so something that I learned recently is you know you walk into a room and there's about 40 percent of those people that have been in a traumatic situation and they need some kind of um trauma therapy um whether that be you know psychotherapy or um, yoga therapy or touch therapy art therapy there's all kinds of therapies as we know so but now you're walking in the room and it's a hundred percent hundred percent of people have been in a traumatic situation because of the last three months so yes backing up to touching like I feel like the way we touch how we how we um, connect is going to be through our touch because now our faces are covered we can't just we can smile and they can see us through our mask but um eye, eye contact like deep eye contact connecting sitting and 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 sitting you know at a distance but facing the client and really connecting with them before you start touching them and 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 also just kind of connecting like is this okay can i and asking permission and having consent 
Um, of course they know you're gonna, you know, they're gonna touch your hair and stuff, but like even with massage in the shampoo bowl, like mm -hmm. a lot of clients aren't sure if they wanna hang out that long, you know, mm -hmm. face to face. And so, um, but then also I think a lot of them are really craving that connection and that touch that, um, that we're giving at the shampoo bowl. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I've noticed from touch. I think people are really craving it even more so now. Absolutely. Since we're still on this topic, I, there's something that was so profound for me um, when the shutdown started to happen and the news, there was people protesting that they needed a haircut. Mm -hmm. and it, I feel lots of different things when I think of it um, and I'm wondering what your what your perspective of that was yeah it's interesting I was really upset I was really angry um, like I I try to have understanding that everyone's going to have their own opinions of what's really going on and you know their their human rights and all of that but when it comes to the whole and seeing that people are dying people are losing their mothers and their fathers and their grandparents because of this and you are protesting that you want a haircut like to to me it's just so silly like it's it's just really it's really silly you know and and it was very aggravating to see um and I mean what else do I need to say about that like it, it was just very it was it was very aggravating I, I got pretty angry when I saw it um it felt contradictory to everything and but then I know there was this other side of the industry that was like yeah we're trained to deal with this and we're trained to you know, be um, careful and disinfect. And, you know, yes, we do have state licenses for that reason, but we're also not trained to be nurses and doctors and wear masks all day and scrub up and, you know, and, and deal with a, 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 a virus that we're not familiar with. You know, we're still learning so much about it every single day. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I... Um, yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty aggravating and I could go, I could go deeper into that, especially on our current, uh, social injustice and racial injustice, uh, climate, you know? Sure. Well, let's head into that. Um, for myself, you know, I had, I've had a really white privileged life. Like I grew up in a really small white town and I moved to Santa Cruz and my hair education was for white hair. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways I can look at that. And I'm constantly examining my own education and my own responsibility in it. <laughs> and the education for black ethnic hair wasn't there in my school and mm -hmm. it's it's something I'm pondering and mm -hmm. I want to hear your thoughts and your education and anything that you want to share about that 
Yeah, sure. So I think first I'll just tidy up what I said about the uh, haircut protesting. So something that I keep seeing on, on social media, which I think is, it, it, it uh, vibes with me, you know, hits me in the heart is like, if you are out there protesting your haircut, but you're not out there protesting social injustice and human rights, you're not allowed in my chair. And it doesn't have to be a protest like you actually went to a protest, but if you're not standing for human rights and yeah, then I just don't, I just don't want any part of it. And, And we're really lucky to live in Santa Cruz. We have a really like woke community here. Um, but there are some, you know, and that choose to be complacent. And um, I think that's another like really big gift of, of COVID and our current um, political climate is like coming back and really choosing who is vibrating on the same level as you um, when you're spending, spending a lot of intimate time with someone. Um, so yeah, that's the end of that for me. And then um, as far as my education, uh, you know, very similar to you, I grew up in a mostly white small farm town in, in Pennsylvania. Um, and then I moved to what I thought was a more diverse community. And I feel like it is compared to where I li- lived and where I grew up, but it is not diverse in comparison to like San Francisco or a bigger urban community, city community. Um, and my education, I really wanted more um, texture education and curl education and um, ethnic hair. And what our education was, was how to do a relaxer, how to do cornrows, um, and how to like straighten and flat iron the, the, the curly textured hair. And... I feel like that's just putting a band-aid on it. Like that's just like, oh, let's tame your natural texture and this is how we do it. And and that's, yeah, that's what they taught us. And it was just, it was really disheartening. Um, I did a couple like competitions in beauty school and I, I got awarded for like cornrows. I got awarded for those things, but because I really wanted to do more of it. Um, but uh that's kind of where it stopped, you know, education wise. And then when I became, got out on my own, um, I didn't touch a lot of curly hair until I moved to Santa Cruz actually. And, um, I went through the Deva, um, hairstyling or the hair program or the Deva inspired program, the Deva cuts, and I started specializing in curly hair and I considered myself a curly hair specialist. And, um, I have a few African-American clients and I'm not, I'm not scared to go there with, with them. And like, really like, I'm not, I, I feel, um, confident in cutting fair hair, but I feel like my education is still minute compared to what I actually need. Like I, so I started looking at classes recently. Um, there's a class coming up that I'm looking at and it's all online still, but I'm still gonna um, take it. So I have to buy my tickets for that today. And I think the biggest thing that's coming out of this is like African-American hairstylists are, are rising up and they're, and they're getting showcased and um, 
they're able to showcase their their abilities and their their um, classes and how to do textured hair so that you're not scared when they when someone comes into your salon or sits down in your chair and you have no idea what to do because I've totally been there too like where uh, I felt really confident and curly and then there's some where some people that I've sit down and I'm like I'm so sorry I just I don't feel confident in doing your hair and it's an embarrassing thing to admit, but I'd much rather have it that way than to say, oh, I'm going to do your hair and it's going to be great. And then they hate it at the end, slander my name, like hate me, you know? And, and that's not, that's not the point. Like I want to make connections with people. And yeah, so I've, I've gotten a lot of good feedback when I just stand up and say, I am so sorry. I just, I'm not comfortable doing your hair. I'm not, I'm not, well-versed in this and I really have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> and it's sad that that's where our beauty industry has um, put us while starting out um, but I think now it's our responsibility it's our responsibility to really stand up and say okay I need to get educated and um, in texture and I need to be more comfortable because it's time it's time there's no excuses anymore was it easy to find those classes? Like, what was that? What was that like? That research. Um, so, luckily, there's a woman here in Santa Cruz um, that I know, and she is a curly hair specialist as well. And um, she's also from the East Coast. Um, grew up in a much more urban area than I did, but we connect. You know, we're good friends and she actually told me about the class um, and she knows that I enjoy curly hair. So that's how I found out. Um, I didn't really do a lot of research. Um, I started like uh, Googling and, and Instagramming people and like starting to follow people. Um, but uh, mostly for beauty products, like I'm really interested in bringing in a, a black owned business in, at Kinship. That's amazing. Have you found one that you're excited about that we could talk about or not yet not yet no I'm still in the process of like looking um there's a local woman her name's um her Instagram name is Akasha Beauty I think uh I have to look it up again but it's she does like oils and um hemp rubs and um you know different kinds of oils for your hair and curly you know curly thing you know curly products and stuff so I'm definitely more interested in supporting a local black owned business now um I I see it as very important and I know that that's for some reason it was off my radar for so long and now it's very apparent and I need I need to do right like I need to I need to make that right absolutely cool yeah. Well, I'm yeah. excited to, to hear what you find, and I always appreciate yeah. all your thorough research with products, especially, so yeah. this will be a learning opportunity for me as well. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about that, or does that feel... No, I feel, I feel complete with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, ultimately, it's, it's, it's in the hairstylist's it's so openly communicated now. It's just like, there's no excuse to not 
you know, spend $50 on a class and learn about texture, like get out of your own comfort zone and just do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Cool. Well, earlier we were talking about what inspired you to get into this, the industry and why stay in it. Um, I want to know more about like your earlier years of self-esteem and doing your own hair and um, you had mentioned that your your mom's a hairstylist or was and two aunts too. Mm-hmm. Right. So it runs in the family. There's mm-hmm. you're around it quite a bit. So yeah, like I wanna know about more about like you doing your own hair when you're younger and that journey and then your self esteem yeah. and then how has that changed over the years? Yeah, so I would say um so I still remember my very first haircut. I was like, it's either really good or really bad. I was four years old. Okay. Yeah, it's like my mom sat me down in the kitchen and gave me bangs and a little bob. And then the next haircut I really remember was a bad one. Okay. Um, I was in third grade. I remember I wanted a bob and she gave me a bowl cut because oh. I didn't sit still. Solid. <gasps> Yeah, I was, um, that was all the rage that time, though. Yeah, but I felt like a boy, and so my self-esteem went... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in, in third grade, I was, like, crushing on this kid, you know, and all of a sudden, I looked like him. So, oh, like, yeah, not good. Um, and I was a redhead, you know, like, very different, and people are always pointing it out. Like anywhere we went, grocery store, down the street, like it didn't matter. Like, oh, oh my God, your hair is so beautiful. Oh, oh, you're so gorgeous. Oh, your hair, your hair. Is that real? Is that real? You know, and just, you know, constant comments and questions. And wait, is this your daughter? Because my mom and I look nothing like we look alike in our face, but we, our hair and our skin tone, everything is different. Um, so yeah, I would say that ooh, I would say that the beginning year, the very early years, I was very aware of my hair and the attention that I get with my hair. And I think when I like became a teenager, I was like, ugh, like, you know, like 12, 11, 12 years old. And I was just like, no, like, stop, don't pay attention to me. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't think that this is pretty. Like, this is this is not pretty, you know, and I was very insecure about it. And my self-esteem was really low. Um, And then I, uh, you know, my mom would always like do things to my hair. Like if I said I wanted it, I always had really straight hair growing up. And then in seventh grade, I got my first perm Um, (laughs) during puberty, which is like, yeah, great. So time to do that. Yeah. So, um, and then I got two perms after that. And then my hair was just curly after. And I was like, mom, my, my perm never grew out. She's like, no, your hair's curly. (laughs) So then I was like a curly red hair and that got double compliments, like double questioning, double, you know, And so it was just, I was constantly like, I felt like I was constantly on everyone's radar and that made me actually less confident like I didn't I didn't like being in the spotlight and I I was my self-esteem was so low in other situations in my life that 
that were causing that. And um, I think being in the spotlight really, like I didn't believe people. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't believe that I was pretty. I didn't believe that my hair was pretty. Um, I felt, and I, you know, I, I felt awkward and different because no one in my family had red hair and I didn't know anyone else with red hair. I was the only one in my school that I knew of. And, um, and then I think around like 16, 17, you know, when I've got my first like serious boyfriend and he would like tell me how beautiful I was, that's like when my self-esteem started to climb and um, it wasn't about my hair. It was just me being beautiful and who I was. And, um, and uh, so I think that's when my self-esteem really started to ramp up a little bit more. And it was always, I mean, it was always kind of low. I mean, I think it's pretty, sadly, it's pretty normal for a teenager to have low self-esteem. Um, and then in the last few years, it's ramped up again. And I don't think it's going to go back down forever, you know? And I think a lot of that, yeah. And I think a lot of that comes from like doing self-work and journaling and um, meditating and my spiritual practice that I've um, developed and yoga. And I seen like, I really know and see now it's what matters. What's it's what's on the inside, not what's being seen from the outside sure yeah so great that's the timeline I I love hearing your your journey through it um I had some awkward years as well and for myself I'd say the media like I had awesome parents and awesome teachers and cool just people around me but there was this thing about the media and like fashion industry and mm. all of that that had a great impact on me and mm. like what was that like for you like the fashion magazine beauty images at that time maybe middle school high school ish yeah I would say it was for me I didn't I wasn't allowed to like really look at that stuff and um I grew up on a farm so like we weren't allowed to really sit around and watch tv um, the only time I got to do that was when I was babysitting. I had these two kids I was babysitting one summer and I literally sat and watched music videos the whole summer. And I would say that that affected me a little bit more about my body image and, um, seeing these beautiful women with perfect bodies and, uh, me, you know, I was this rail, you know, thin little rail with no woman, womanly curves and, um, yeah. And then seeing that it was, it was definitely hard on my self-esteem, but I would say, um, I would say it was more from my peer group that I, that I felt, uh, insecure, like even with my comparing myself to my friends and comparing myself to my peers was more so was more effective on me than, um, than, uh, media so good old comparison yeah yeah and I yeah and I think yeah I just wasn't I wasn't in tune with like magazine like I wasn't allowed to look at them and you know what I mean like it just wasn't really on my radar but 
I had a lot of friends and I was a social butterfly as my eighth grade teacher liked to call me. So I think, yeah, (laughs) it's still true. Yeah. So I think that's where it was more apparent. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great. What do you feel people get wrong about the industry? The beauty industry? I think a lot of people think that it's like this really simple, like, oh, I'm going to go to school, go to beauty school, and it's going to be the easiest thing ever. And then I'm going to come out and all I'm going to do is talk to people all day and, and do hair and uh, which yes, is a big part of it. But I think a lot of people don't, don't understand like how much chemistry we do in a day and like lab ordering and like other things that we're doing to run a business technically, because we are running a individual business, each of us, um, that, that goes into it. It's not, it's so much deeper and bigger than just like a couple hours at beauty school. Like it's, it's a, it's a commitment you know, year and a half, two year commitment in beauty school. And then, and then, and you learn like electric, electricity and like chemistry and all these other things that you had no idea that you were going to study. Like you thought you were just going in to, to cut some hair, you know, learn how to cut hair and how to color hair. And then you realize, oh, like science and math are involved. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of, there's a lot of assumption about like, a hairstylist being kind of dumb and or like like oh they passed college just so that they could go to beauty school and have and take the easy route at least that's like what people think in in the community that I grew up in um California is a little different I think but uh where does that come from why do you know I feel so in my community that I grew up in, like people would sing beauty school dropout, uh-huh. beauty school dropout from like Greece. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, like, I think it, it was born in the, in the fifties and sixties, like a lot of women that chose not to go to secretariat school or be a receptionist or be a professional working woman. They wanted to be more artsy and like fun. Um, ended up going to beauty school but then it became like this gossip industry and like this is where you got your local news and so I think a lot of people there's a lot of stereotypes out there of hairstylists because of that yeah I know it's making me giggle um (laughs) and (laughs) but I relate to it so much like that was so much of my fear of going into like I knew I was going to be a hairstylist in seventh grade like like without a doubt that's what I was doing uh-huh but then there was like all this beauty school dropout like all like that whole thing and it's so interesting yeah and it's so ridiculous and that's why I'm laughing <laughs> yeah it is like wow okay yeah um what is your impact on the beauty industry hmm yeah, um, I would say it still comes down, my impact to the beauty industry, I think now is being a, a salon owner and being a, a bigger voice in this community for other salons. Um, I have a lot of uh, 
mutual friends that are starting to open salons and, um, you know, and, and I think my aim is to be uh, really like kind and like welcoming to that. And I think um, sadly in this industry, there's a lot of like, comp like that competition feeling. And to me, like today I have a friend opening her salon for the first time and she got completely um, paused during COVID. Like they couldn't do any mm. construction and she had all this money just kind of floating, like not knowing when she was going to be able to open. And so today I just like, I, I sent her a message on Instagram just to like confirm her, you know, address and stuff. And then I sent her some flowers and she's getting them today. And I wrote her a nice little note and, I really want to make that more a part of the industry is like women uplifting other women or salons uplifting other salons and coming together in a, in a group and learning together and, and transforming the industry in that way, especially also coming back to texture, textured hair and like learning from each other because we all have our strengths and our weaknesses or like things that we need to work on. And, um, and like, I know a handful of hairstylists that are amazing with textured hair and I need, I need to reach out to them. Like that's going to be, that's on my priority list right now. Um, how can we share, share the wealth and share the information? Because um, I think it's, it, we're done with that lack, that uh, coming from a place of scarcity, you know, it's, it's, there's plenty out there there's plenty of clients out there there's plenty of people out there um there's abundance abundant resources um there is no more scarcity so i think just that's like my new aim coming out coming to the industry now is being a support to other women and and other salon owners and also being abundant and uh using our resources properly sure yeah. Well, and that, that takes it back to the very first question of, you know, you defining beauty and that's connection mm -hmm. for you, yeah. right? So it's not just yeah. the connection with the clients, it's the connection with other stylists, other salons, you know, the bigness of our industry is so, so vast and so special. Like it's all over the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And so connecting with other stylists and it's so easy to do that with social media now. Yeah. So, yeah. I love really that. Yeah. What does, see, what needs to change for the future of the industry? Oof. Um, I think, hmm. I think immediately there needs to be just with our current climate, there needs to be this separation of self. Mm. Like it's not about me. It's about you and your time here and quality over quantity and the eye contact and like connecting with someone um, and holding a space, being a container for that and um, being compassionate. Like I feel that's the big, yeah, I do. I feel like that's the biggest change that needs to happen in the industry is just like an understanding and a compassionate nature. Um, and then, yeah, wider education, um, a lack of, you know, losing the fear of, of 
educating ourselves further when it comes to textured hair and, and um, curls. Great. Yeah. What are you looking forward to in your career? I think I'm looking forward to uh, growing more, learning more um, about, you know, textured hair. Um, I'm also just looking forward to having, having those boundaries and really taking my time day to day, not, um, not overworking anymore, <laughs> you know, and just, and focusing on the business as a whole, instead of just me behind the chair. Yeah. It, Cause it turns out like the moment you become an owner, people just want to see you because you're the owner mm -hmm. and it's really easy to just keep saying yes. And uh, I'm looking forward to saying no more often and passing yeah. down to the other stylists that are still building and um, giving back to them. It goes back to that community, you know. There's this big part of me that just wants to say congratulations. Oh. That, <laughs> like I've seen you, I've known you for, I don't know, what, three years now and your growth and your just ability to rise above and show up for your stylist, show up for the community and your big, big heart mm. deserves to have that congratulations and that like, take it easy now. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just really proud to know you and proud of you and so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel like I'm round, rounding a corner of like, okay, this is this is the new, this is the new normal, you know, and that's okay, and everything will kind of work itself out as we go, you know. Sure. Great. Yeah. All right, Megan. We're gonna create your beauty statement. Okay. And so basically, it's just. Um, or fill in the blanks and um, yeah so I'm just going to go ahead and start and um, so beauty to me is wholehearted connection and yeah how about um, the beauty industry is an opportunity to okay the beauty industry is an opportunity to educate yourself further to be in a constant learning um, environment and to build a community, a, a, a bigger, deeper community that goes beyond what's happening on the outside. Okay, I am beautiful because um, I am beautiful because I continue to choose loving kindness and awareness every day. And uh, it's part of my daily practice. Yeah. And in regards to the beauty industry, I would like people to know. I would like people to know that you are so much deeper than your hair or your makeup or what's happening on the outside. You are a soul uh, within a human body. 
and you have beautiful ideas and thoughts and lots of love to give and that's what truly matters because you matter mm. you matter <laughs> thanks so and that much, is Megan. inspired by jillian <laughs> <laughs> i have my uh, little mug right here oh you my darling matter i love that mug all right megan i love you so much i love you um, too thank really, you for this yeah i really appreciate your time and um yeah i love you i love you too thank you for your time and thank you for this great right. opportunity okay enjoy your day you too okay bye, bye. <laughs>